Welcome, everybody, to the Zelix Podcast. You are listening here to me, myself, and I, Zach, the one and only. Well, kind of, not really. And uh, what are we going to be talking about? That's a good question. What is this podcast about? What is Zelix? Who are you? Well, these are all questions that I'm going to answer one by one. Of course, we can only do this once a month until I can actually afford reliable RSS uh, host feed kind of thingamajiggy how it works on uh, podcasts and all that. Costs money, so we're going to keep it low-key once a month until that kind of gets going. But uh, in the meantime, I have a YouTube channel, and that is where I, uh, that's my bread and butter. So if you want to go over and check that out, just look up Zelix on YouTube, and you will find me. And what do I do? Well, that's a good question. I'm a professional guitarist and drummer. I've been playing both instruments since a very young age, drum since five uh, guitar since uh, the age of 13, and I'm 25 now, so please do the math. I'm not actually going to do the math right about now. So, what else uh, What else are we going to talk about besides music? Well, anything, actually. Uh, particularly video games, mainly. Um, whenever I get guests in and stuff like that, I actually have a, a great episode coming up uh, on the next podcast, which you do not want to miss. I'm going to be featuring... A man by the name of Greg Smith. He has one of the largest Nintendo 64 collections out there. Um, it is absolutely amazing, pristine stuff. You do not want to miss that. I'm sure he has amazing stories to tell. I've gotten to know him very well. Working at my job, which is another little detail, I'm an assistant manager at a retro video game store here where I live. And uh, it's a it's a great job. I love it. I uh, could not complain uh, about almost anything there I mean it has its days like any other job but it's an amazing job and I love it very grateful to have that it's pretty fun too I mean I get to play the fucking video games all day so who isn't gonna like that um let me get a little jig of water here so yeah thirsty hot here in Florida ah very nice so what else uh, besides video games? I mean, I will talk about any kind of video game you have to to offer. Um, you name it, I'll talk about it. But uh, also wrestling. I have a, a big passion for wrestling. I have a, a lot of wrestling friends, um, people who love wrestling. That is not actual wrestlers, sadly. That would be amazing, though. And I will not pass that opportunity up if anybody is actually listening. So uh, what else? Man, that's a, that's a lot of stuff to kind of go over today. So... Uh, the main thing I really wanted to talk about was the podcast and why I decided to do it and why I decided to actually pursue um, doing my YouTube channel and all that. It's not easy doing stuff like that anymore. Um, the market is so saturated with people just out there trying to do whatever it is they can to make a dime. They'll upload anything, no matter how stupid or how funny or how endangering to other people around them or how talented. It doesn't matter. People are just uploading whatever the hell they want to try and make a name for themselves, and it's totally understandable. Why? Nobody wants to work for a living. I mean, it's no big surprise. Who actually wants to get out of bed, go work for somebody else to do something you don't want to do uh, to some a-hole who's telling you what to do and how to do it? It's not something that anybody looks forward to, so it's no surprise that anybody's trying to look for an easy way out by actually trying to make a name for themselves on YouTube. And for the few people that have been lucky enough to do that, congrats to them. They've been in the right place at the right time with the right content that people wanted to see. Same thing with uh, podcasts here. You know, you just happen to be in the right place at the right time, usually, with something that people want to hear. Now, 
is that always the case? No. Some people actually have some good stuff they want to talk about. Like myself, I want to try and keep it somewhat intellectual. I want to try and keep it somewhat entertaining. I want to try and keep it somewhat interesting. That's the biggest thing that I have to stress. If it's not entertaining, if it's not informal, what's the point of listening to it? If it's just a couple of guys like Lex and Terry, no offense to Lex and Terry, but personally, I don't find them very entertaining. I think they're kind of ridiculous. I think they're just kind of boring most of the time. Uh, but first off, I want to go into a little bit of background about myself. Who am I? Where did I come from? Blah, blah, blah. So I'm Zach, of course. I've already mentioned that. If you want to know more about me, you can go on YouTube and see a little bit of uh, footage of me and what I look like, which is not anything pretty. Uh, trust me, this amazing voice, ladies, is not uh, <laughs> sexy at all. Um, it's quite kind of annoying, actually. Uh, funny fact, I actually could not pronounce the letter R until I was about 8 or 9 years old. Um, I had some kind of speech impediment that prevented me from saying R. So when I would say things like, you know, it's my birthday, you know, that's what I would say. Um, uh, it's kind of annoying um, because I actually have to think about the letter R a lot of times. Um, I've known a few other people that have speech impediments. Uh, it always varies. Most of the time it's a lisp, but um, thankfully I never had a lisp. Um, the main problem that I have is once I get talking too fast, it can kind of be an issue. So if I'm talking really, really fast, I'll kind of forget what I'm saying, if that makes any sense. So uh, the letter R will often just kind of blur out in one thing. It will never make sense. It usually sounds kind of ridiculous, and I get talking so fast that it all just kind of comes out at once, and there's no words. It's just kind of like blah, blah. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes when you're in the middle of a conversation and you get talking so fast about something interesting, and you stutter because you have to actually think about how you're speaking because... It's 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 kind of an automatic thing now where you know I just pronounce the you know anything with the letter R in it, uh, but sometimes it gets kind of annoying. So uh, yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. But anyway, if uh, anybody else out there has a speech impediment, don't worry. I feel for you. It is embarrassing sometimes, but hey, it makes you who you are. So carry that with pride. Uh, be happy that you are actually a unique individual no matter how weird it may seem to you or others it does not matter so what big deal it's just the way you are and that's what makes you who you are it's kinda cool actually so uh... you know whatever um... what else about me I, well, I was born in a small town in florida um... most of you have probably never heard of it and i actually plan on moving back to that small town that most of you have never heard of because i love it it's uh, somewhere in between Daytona and Orlando. If you know where it is, props to you. If not, Google Maps, my friend. Um, and I was pretty much raised in South Florida for most of my life. Yes, it is extremely hot down there, for those of you that are asking. That is not an exaggeration when people say it's hot down there in South Florida. Believe me, it is hot down there in South Florida. It's humid all the time. It's always raining, and that creates more humidity. It's just a nightmare sometimes. But at least you got the beach nearby, so that's not too bad. Um, you can always kind of go to the beach whenever you want, chill out, cool off. Everything's good and peachy down in South Florida. Except for the people. So anybody that's listening to this living in South Florida, I apologize for your circumstances. It is actually quite a pain in the ass living down there. And uh, you probably know what I'm talking about if you do live down there. If you do not, or if you've never visited South Florida, believe me, 
it's a jungle down there. It is absolutely a madhouse. There's just people pulling you in every direction. It's like the Los Angeles of the East Coast. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, out of this world, bananas. Um, there's just so many people down there. And these people are literally cooking in the sun. So that's causing them to be overheated and uncomfortable and just... It leads, you know, one thing to another, and people get pissed off quite often down there. So don't be surprised if you first stay in South Florida, you see somebody giving you the finger or the cold shoulder. One of two, if not both, are going to happen. That's just kind of the way it goes. Um, it's just, that's the way it is. There's a lot of gangs down there. There's a lot of, you know, uh, very famous people down there. There's the same thing like on YouTube, but condensed down into one little city, people trying to make a name for themselves. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. Unless you're somebody trying to make a name for themselves. It's competition. I mean, it's a dog-eat-dog world, especially down there, especially on YouTube, when you're trying to do whatever it is you can to make a name for yourself. Um, it's not easy. Um, I can I can guarantee anybody that's ever said, hey, you know, nowadays you could just make a song or a movie or whatever and put it on YouTube, and it's so easy now. You guys have it so, you know, it, it's not that easy. Believe it or not, it's one of the hardest things now because the the market the floodgates the the levees the dams have just been opened up to all these people whether it's good or bad and anybody can just put up anything and that's kind of annoying sometimes for you know the people that are actually talented so trying to weed out you know the good from the bad is actually hard um, a lot harder now than it was then because then you had to show you had talent to get, you know, any kind of video made or any kind of music done. And uh, that's why, you know, nowadays you hear so much more uh, bad music. You see so many more bad movies. It's because just about anybody can kind of get a little popular here and there by doing the right thing, whatever it may be. I do not know. I'm trying to figure that out still, of course, if you... Uh, know what that is, that secret, please feel free to email me, zelix1 at yahoo.com, thank you very much, and, um, you know, that's just kind of what it is, so, if you're, if you're talented, you're trapped, if you're not talented, you're trapped, the only thing you can do is hope and pray that somebody, somewhere, sees your thing and likes it, um, in fact, just recently, um, uh, excuse me. As of today, um, I uploaded a video to YouTube. You can go and check it out. I'll leave it up for a while. Maybe I'll leave it up permanently. It just depends on how that goes. Um, for a thing called the Rare Replay Singalong Contest. And basically what it is, it's a video contest that you uh, are to make, of course. Uh, for those of you listening that do not know what I'm talking about when I say the Rare Replay, uh, it's a video game thing. Um, so all my video game people, this is for you. Uh, Rare is a company that made um, a lot of amazing video games throughout the late 80s and early 90s, and mainly through the late 90s, and then they kind of dropped off the map. Uh, some of their best works are Battletoads, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day, Banjo-Kazooie, Perfect Dark. Um, there's, a, there's a couple out there. Um, they're really good titles, and um, they made some of the greatest video games of all time. So, when Microsoft bought Rare from Nintendo, because Rare was a second-party developer for Nintendo, meaning they made games for Nintendo and Nintendo published them, right? Well, Rare um, was sold off to Microsoft, and Microsoft kind of just put them in a dark alley somewhere and said, all right, you're going to make Kinect games from now on. And, unfortunately, they had to suffer through that, and almost all the games were 
they weren't bad, but nobody bought them because nobody bought the Kinect because nobody likes the Kinect. I mean, that's a whole other conversation in itself, which we will touch on. Believe me, we will touch on the Kinect and the whole uh, Microsoft debacle. But, um, uh, so for a while, Rare had been kind of just floating and not doing anything, and people were like, oh, Rare's washed up, and that's not the case. They were just never given the chance to do anything else. Um, Grab by the Ghoulies was like the last decent game they made since then. Everything else was kind of like, eh, you know. And it wasn't for lack of trying. It was just that they were put in a very precarious situation where it was hard for them to compete with what was el- you know, what else was out there when they weren't given the creative freedom to do what they wanted to do. Now, some people at Rare have said that's not the case. I beg to differ. The numbers speak for themselves. How is it that every single game leading up to the purchase from Microsoft was a hot seller, and then after the purchase of Microsoft, those numbers just were cut in half, if not by two-thirds? I mean, this isn't just a happenstance. This isn't, you know, you wake up one day, oh, the company failed. No, this was over time. They were just kind of battered like a, you know, beaten housewife. No, I'm not a wife beater. I'm just saying. I'm giving an analogy, an example. Okay, I do not condone it. I'm just saying. So don't write me saying, how dare you, misogynistic prick. That's not the case, okay? I'm just giving an example. A funny example. Okay, it's not funny, but it's funny to me. It's not funny at all. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, Rare was given a, um, a kind of, a, you know, like a dog leash to put on and go sit out, you know, back in the backyard and say, you know, forget about you. You're not cool anymore. Microsoft Studios is cool. Bungie is cool. And Bethesda is cool. And Rare, screw you. Point is that I'm trying to make, Rare has made a comeback recently. They put out a compilation game called the Rare Replay, which is... Some of their greatest games ever compiled onto one uh, game disc for the Xbox One. Uh, 30 games to be exact, and uh, it's over the course of 30 years, ironically, and it only cost $30. Wow! Three! Numbers of three! Christopher Walken would die! Uh, or Jack White would have an orgasm. Either way, it does not matter. So, what is the Rare Replay? Besides that, besides the compilation, well, it's friggin' awesome. I mean, if you've not played it, you gotta go out and play it. If not, buy it. I mean, it's amazing. If there's any game in there you ever wanted to play, theoretically, that game only costs $1. Uh, if you think about 30 games only costing $30, that's a dollar per game. So, Conker's Bad Fur Day, the actual cartridge for the N64, the Nintendo 64, that is, um will cost you upwards of $100, and the Live and Reloaded um, remake, which was just a remastering, an awful remastering at that, um, will cost you upwards to $40 to $50, and then the Live and, or sorry, the um, Rare Replay version only costs you a buck, 30 bucks altogether for all the games. No, you cannot buy it individually, you have to buy it with the actual, you know, the disc, you know, the Rare Replay disc. Um... But it's good because, I mean, it gives you a lot of other games that you've probably never played before that are amazing. I mean, there's I'll be the first to admit, I'm a video game guy through and through, played them all my life. There's tons of games on there I've never heard of or played. So, um, and I've been kind of chipping away at them, and they're actually quite fun, and I can see why they put them on there. Some people are kind of pissed off because, oh, they didn't put the Donkey Kong games on there, or the Star Fox Adventures game, or they didn't put the freaking GoldenEye, which is the biggest issue I can hear from people. The reason why is because those games are owned by other companies. Nintendo owns Fox from, you know, Star Fox. Um, so that's not going to happen. Even though the game was originally supposed to be Dinosaur Planet, but that's a conversation for another day yet again. Um, 
um, as far as uh, Donkey Kong, again, a Nintendo property. And why GoldenEye? Well, besides the fact that it's owned by Activision, it's also an expensive license uh, licensing thing to do to try and license the image of GoldenEye being um, Pierce Bros- Brosman and uh, I was going to say Brosworth. <laughs> Pierce Brosman and um, the 007 franchise. So I can see why they kind of slurred away from that. Not to mention it's not an original title. It was a pre-existing franchise that they just kind of made into a video game. So Perfect Dark, being an original franchise, makes much more sense. Not to mention, in my opinion, the campaign mode for Perfect Dark is a hell of a lot better. So, that being said, they released the game. And subsequently, the same time they released the game, they released a YouTube video saying that you could release... Or, sorry, you could make your um, own video... Um, to the opening number sing-along that the game starts off with. When you put the game in, it, um, of course, has to do with stupid updates and downloads. Again, story for another day. Um, But trust me, I will get there. Um, And you would have to listen to this opening number, which is really cool. You could skip it, but I highly advise skipping it because it's actually quite amazing and fun to listen to. And it's called the Rare Replay Opening Number. You know, it's a rare replay. We're here to say, get ready for an all-star show. It's really fun and entertaining. If you've not seen it, um, or if you've not bought the game yet, go look it up on YouTube. It's a hell of a worth of watch. It's funny. It's great. They put a lot of time into it. It's amazing. So, um, so Robin Beanland, the guy who's a composer for um, all the Rare games, he basically did a little video, of course, at the Rare... Um, headquarters studios out there in uh, Europe, somewhere in London, I think. Uh, I'm totally not right on that, but I'm not sure where exactly it's at. But anyway, they did a video, and he said, we're going to have a contest, and if you enter this contest, you might win a shirt. And if you don't win a shirt, the grand prize winner will win this package, which is a whole bunch of, you know, little things um, from... It's like a big collection of stuff. It's like a grand prize thing, you know? It's got a backpack from Banjo-Kazoo. It's got, like, a Conker's Bad Fur Day, uh, like, poster art print. It's pretty cool. So, at the time of recording this podcast, um, the deadline ends on Monday. Today is Saturday. So, I will not know who wins or whatever for at least another week or so, maybe. I don't know. But the point is, he said to get creative with your video upload. Um, Obviously, you have to do the opening number and do it however you want to do it. And that's pretty much what he left it at. So, I knew that I wanted to enter it just because I love um, old school rare stuff and I really have never entered any kind of contest before besides, you know, hey, retweet this. Yeah, what a joke. Anything that actually involved me getting off my ass and doing something to actually enter for. So, I saw this as an opportunity since I had just recently rebooted my YouTube channel, which of course if you go check out, you'll see. Haha. <laughs> um, and at the time of recording this, I only have 390 subscribers and well over 375,000 views. Um, point is, my YouTube channel has been mediocrely successful, okay? I'm sure a few people know about me, but not the whole world, okay? At least not yet. So, I used to do a bunch of videos back in the day, um, for things related to horror movies, Scream, the movie in particular, and, um, I just kind of got away from all that and was kind of tired of doing it, so I decided to reboot the channel, doing a whole new thing, um, similar to why I'm doing this podcast, and uh, talk about different things and focus more towards video games, which is why I'm talking about them right now. So we, you know, also wanted to do stuff with like wrestling and music and just things that interest me. So we wanted to do it a little bit focused 
uh, this time around. So I, re I rebooted the channel, and when they announced this contest, I figured this would be a great opportunity to make some kind of content to get seen. So what did I do? Well, I told my girlfriend, hey, I want to make a video or something for this Rare Replay contest. Of course, her reply to me was, you know, along the lines of, okay. Because she kind of she goes with whatever I want to do anyway. So, um, she's great. I love her to death. She is the greatest woman in the world, um, besides my mother. Okay, so. Um, but I love her in a different way. <laughs> so, she's she was all game for it. She's like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever you want to do. So... First thing I did was I opened GarageBand because I knew I wanted to make an original cover of it. Somehow, somewhere, I wanted to do a cover of it. Being a musician my whole life, that's pretty much all I know. Video games, music, cooking, wrestling. Pretty basic guy. And I love cats and animals. So, um, I opened up a uh, GarageBand track and I just started working on, you know, a little bit of trying to cover the song. And I was having a hard time actually figuring out how it went because I don't really play that kind of music. So, you know, that big, you know, orchestra-type music. So I kind of had a hard time learning it, but I had seen by searching for other contestants that had probably already uploaded a video to see if any, there was anybody else actually, you know, actually out there that had done anything. And there was one guy um, from Canada um, who's a, like, 18-year-old, 19-year-old musician, really pretty good um, guitarist. And um, I'd asked him because he had done a cover of it, and he did a really well, you know, done cover of it, actually. Um, definitely worth checking out. Look up Rare Replay. It's a 19-year-old kid from Canada. I can't think of the name offhand. Maybe I can look it up real quick. If you're by computer, look up Gabo Carina 96. Gabo Carina 96. Whatever the hell that means, buddy. And, uh, anyway, he did a cover, and it's an amazing cover. He does video game guitar covers, so go look it up. So I asked him, I said, um, hey, what are the chords to this song? You know, I want to learn it, and uh, I'm having a hard time figuring out. So he actually really quickly sent me a reply, and um, so he sent me, you know, the chords and all that, and so I kind of went with that, which it was kind of all I needed. I just needed a starting point, because normally I can easily pick up anything by ear. Um, I'm actually not classically trained. I've never had a teacher or an instructor. I've never taken a lesson in my life. Everything I've learned, I've learned just by listening to it and mimicking it by playing it back. Um, so, but of course, over time, I've learned, you know, what chords are, of course. Um, but I can't read music. I can read tabs, kind of, um, but I can't read a lick of music at all. Not a single piece of sheet music. You put one note in front of me, I don't know what the hell it is. So, normally, I can easily pick it up over time, but I didn't have time. I only had a week to do it, so I had to kind of get frantic with it. So I never really message people, you know, out of the blue like that, especially asking for something like that because, you know, typically people ignore that kind of thing. But he's a pretty nice, cool, you know, kid. Um, so he messaged me back with the chords where I learned the chords, went from there, and then I started putting it together. And I was kind of confused as to how I wanted to do it. Um, this is great, by the way, for those people listening, because this has to do with video games and music. Wink, wink. Double hitter! So, I, uh, I started learning the song, and then I put it together in my own style, but I didn't know how I wanted to do it. Did I want to do it like death metal? Did I want to do it like a jazzy feel, which I don't do jazz music at all? Did I want to do it my typical high-energy rock music that I do myself? Um, which, by the way, if you're on iTunes, go check out Zelix Cree and Annihilate. 
uh, wink, wink. The remaster is actually coming out um, in November, uh, one year anniversary of their release of the original album. So, uh, and I'm already working on the second album, of course. <laughs> anyway, side note, that's all uh, off topic. But um, continuing on, um, so I did not know what I wanted to do. And so about two days went by, and the deadline's getting closer. I think it was like Tuesday. And I kind of just given up. I was like, I'm not going to enter. There's no way. And then I kind of gave myself a nice swift kick in my own ass by saying, even if you don't win, you tried. You did your best. You put something out there for people to watch. That's what matters. So, my girlfriend and I looked at each other and I said, I'm going to give it everything I've got. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to just do it. I'm going to try. Why? I mean, you just have to. You got to try. So, I put together the song and the music and all that, and it took a while. But I ended up doing it, and it sounded pretty good. Um, the only problem was getting my girlfriend to sing her part. She can sing really, really well. She's an amazing singer. However, when she's singing something that she's unfamiliar with, she kind of just eh, falls flat. She needed a little bit of guidance. So I was trying to produce her through it, and it took two days to get her one vocal track down uh, just so we could be done with that and move on with the actual making of the video because all my parts were done the guitars were done the drums were done the bass was done the insane guitar solo that I had never done a guitar solo that crazy before was done but she still was not done so we came back to it the next day she finally nailed it after I told her you know to sing in a higher pitch because she was trying to sing it so low it's a rare replay. And I was like no sing it higher so she's like it's a rare replay and she's like I sound like a little girl I was like that's the point that's the freaking point. You are a little girl. You're short. You're from another country. I mean, you're a little girl. You look small. Sound small. Don't try and sound deep. You're not, you know, an operatic, you know, male singer like, oh. You just don't try to do that. So sing naturally. Sing high pitch. So she did. And she nailed it. Um, there's still a couple small parts in there that she's a little off key, but it's, it's okay. It was the best take we got, so we kept it. And we moved on. So, the next day, we were going to go out and record the video. Problem was, she ended up working a double shift because she works two jobs, and that didn't end up happening. So, what did we do from there? We waited till the next day. And then we went out, but the problem was, as soon as she got home from work, it started raining like hell. But this was the best thing for the video, which I did not know at the time, but it ended up working out great. I was kind of mad. We were getting all wet and soaked on our way to get to the car, which is only like 20 feet from the door of uh, of our place. And um, we get into the car. We're wet. I'm pissed off. We drive across town where it's bone dry. It had previously rained, but now it's dry. And I brought along a jug of water, which I used to wet my hair, which looked great because in the video you can see storm clouds behind us, which were the clouds, of course, of it you know, raining and all that. And... Um, I just kind of wet my hair to go along with that look, and it looked great, so, you know, swinging my hair back and forth, because my hair is kind of naturally a little poofy as it is. It's not, like, frizzy. It's just yeah, a little poofy. It's got some life to it. It's got some volume, as those shampoo commercials would say. Does your hair have volume? It does now. Pantene Pro-V. Pro-Vitamins. Um, no, that's not a plug for Pantene. Sorry, Pantene. You've got to pay me for a uh, proper plug on that one. 
Um, so we did the video, and we go home, and now we have the song and the footage. Now the only thing is to put two and two together, and that's kind of the hard part. Now I use iMovie. Um, for those Apple users out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For any Mac, or uh, sorry, for any Windows user out there, um, picture as Window Movie Maker, but better, of course. Um, so I use i um, Movie Maker, or sorry, not Movie Maker. I use iMovie, and um, so using iMovie, I um, put all the footage on there. I sat down, and from headbanging and all that, my neck was really like rubbery. I had not played a live show in years. I have not headbanged in years, so my head was just like not feeling it. So I went and go lay down. Lay down till eleven o'clock at night. Mind you, we got done about six o'clock, so I slept for a solid four or five hours. And uh I get up, come back out, and she goes to bed. And I spent all night editing this video. That was last night, by the way. And then this morning I uploaded the video to YouTube. Now this is where it all comes full circle. Now earlier I was talking about how you get lucky sometimes in the YouTube world and sometimes you don't. Well I managed to get a little lucky. Let me fix my mic stand here. And um, I uploaded the video and then as soon as the video was done being uploaded I had realized that there was already seven views on it. Now normally when I upload a video there's no views <laughs> until I share it. I hadn't even gotten a chance to share it yet and it already had um, you know, these seven views, and I was kind of mystified by that. I was like, where the hell did these come from? Who watched this? Of course, right now, I do not know. Uh, it was just seven random people who happened to be on YouTube, maybe searching for that, you know, rare replay sing-along contest, or maybe they were just, you know, on my channel subscribers, and they just saw it. I do not know, but I do know that when I did actually share it on Facebook and Twitter, um, by the way, Zaxer90 on Twitter, thank you very much, um, I realized that there was a, um, a weird thing going on and it like started going up in views. Now, normally this never happens when I upload a video. So then I tagged Chris Seaver. If you don't know who Chris Seaver is, look him up. Christopher Seaver is the guy who voiced Conker and almost every other single character in the Conker's Bad Fur Day video game. And he was also the project director slash, you know, lead designer, programmer, whatever. Um, him and his small little team made the game. So I tweeted him, and he liked it. And then, when he said, you know, hey, good job, or whatever, I was like, holy shit, Christopher Seaver just, you know, gave me props on my video. Let me tag the rest of the Rare team. So, of course, I had to tag Rare themselves for the actual entry. And then I tagged a couple other people that still work at Rare, who also worked on Conker's Bad Fur Day. Those people being... Uh, Robin, Robin Beanland, who we already talked about earlier, who um, is the composer for everything Conquer-related. Um, I also tagged Chris Marlowe, the voice of the great Mighty Pooh, who's also a programmer, and Luis O'Connor, who is also a programmer, and um, they all worked on the original Conquer's Bad Fur Day game. And every single one of them not only replied, I even got a couple of retweets and favorites out of the deal, but they watched it, and they gave me props, and they said they liked it. And then Rare got back to me, and they said they liked it. So here's to hoping that I actually win. Of course, you will not find out until next month here on the podcast. But if you follow me on YouTube or Twitter, sorry, if you subscribe to me on YouTube or Twitter, Zaxter90 on Twitter, Zelix on YouTube, plug, plug, um, you'll find out sooner if I actually win or not. I'll probably, you know, post a video saying whether or not I actually won or if I lost. Um, either way... It was fun making it. 
and within one day so far up till right now I have uh, just over 80 views on it now 80 views does not sound like a lot of views and to be quite honest it's not but here's the thing that's 80 views that at least I know that somebody watched and enjoyed um, I got you know tweets from the people who made the damn game and to me that's more fulfilling than a million views now of course a million views will fill my pockets quite nicely and I can go out and get things that I actually need to do and um, but at the same time it's nice to know that the guys who made the game actually liked what I did and that was nice um, my girlfriend when I called her earlier and told her on the phone I was like hey by the way <laughs> uh, we got a lot of tweets back from the guys who made the actual games back in the day and they liked it you know I, just hearing her smile over the phone was great. You know, it, it was it it paid off amazing. So that was awesome. And um, so yeah, we're gonna find out. If you have not seen that video, go check it out. Look me up on YouTube. Just look up Zelix and then the rare replay uh, sing along. You will find the video. It's quite entertaining actually. Um, we worked uh, about two hours on the video out there shooting it. Um, it was kind of fun. So uh, yeah. Moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling. Now, why do I like wrestling? It's another great story. Well, this harkens back to me being a kid. Um, wrestling, believe it or not, is some of my, my earliest memories um, of living <laughs> are of watching wrestling. Um, my earliest memories are sitting in front of a TV watching Power Rangers and then watching a little bit of WCW back in the day with my grandmother because she got me into wrestling. To this day, my mother hates the fact my grandmother ever got me into wrestling, God rest her soul, but, um, fucking, I love wrestling, man. Um, I'm hooked on it. Um, so I'd always watched wrestling my entire life growing up, and then about 2005, when I moved away from South Florida up here to North Florida, um, I had found out that Brock Lesnar had left, and he was kind of the only thing keeping me watching there for a while. Um, so I kind of stopped watching and then, uh, I just kind of got sick of it. So I did not watch any wrestling for about a solid six years almost until, um, the CM Punk pipe bomb. And then that kind of got me hooked back into it. So thank you CM Punk, even though you, I think you were a complete douchebag. Um, if you want to know why I'm a complete or why I think he's a complete douchebag, huh, I know I'm a douchebag. Thank you very much. But if you want to know why I think he's a douchebag, we'll save that for another day. I care less for CM Punk, honestly. I think he's a whiny little bitch. I think, um, he has nothing but bad things to say about anybody. Um, unless they're his buddy, he's got nothing but bad things to say. And I think that's kind of ridic uh, ridiculous. So, uh, we'll say that for another day. Uh, to all you CM Punk fans out there, I'm sorry. That's just my point of view. I've got reasons why I think that. Personally, I don't think he's a bad guy, but as a person in the entertainment industry... He's a fucking douchebag. So, anyway, what's going on recently with wrestling? I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, me and my friend Tim, we did a couple podcasts a few, maybe about a year ago, or two years ago or so, and we did a lot of wrestling talk, and we're going to actually do more of that coming up here soon, as soon as I can book him in and get him on the show. So... I've uh, I've always been a fan of Brock Lesnar. Um, I love him. I've loved him since day one. I think he's one of the greatest underestimated talents out there. Um, you say what you will about Brock Lesnar. I do not care. The guy 
has determination, he has purpose, he's driven. Even though he might come off a little rough, it doesn't matter. The guy gets it done. He knows when it's a shoot. He knows when it's kayfabe. He knows how to be a real, genuine guy. And he knows how to be a real, genuine dick. The guy balances it all, all out very well, unlike CM Punk, who could only think in dick mode. Um, now, I'm not saying CM Punk is a dick in person. Like I said, I've never met the guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But when it comes to entertainment, fuck CM Punk, okay? I'm sick of the guy. He always just has snarky things to say, and it's not funny. It's just kind of like, why do you always have to live that kind of attitude, you know? I'm a very positive person, and when I come across people um, that are anti-positive all the time, or at least very frequently, I tend to kind of get rubbed the wrong way on that. So I tend to kind of just shun them and not want anything to do with them. And CM Punk rubs me that way, and I do not like it. That's what she said. So... Brock Lesnar, on the other hand, um, gets it done. But he's got a match coming up uh, next Sunday at SummerSlam with The Undertaker. Um, Mark Calloway, that's a guy that should have retired about five years ago, quite honestly. Um, why he comes back for these once-a-year paychecks, I do not know. It's funny because this year he's actually wrestling twice. So, what an event there. Um, but I, I kind of, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I've seen Lesnar Undertaker go at it so many times. I'm kind of just dried up at this point. They're basically rehashing the same storyline they had back in like 2003 and 4, except for this time, they're not making it about Undertaker's wife or anything like that. They're just making it about, you know, oh, you beat my streak. Oh, that's, that's ridiculous. I must get my revenge because I'm the Undertaker. Har, har, har. And Lesnar's like, I'm the beast, man. I'm going to kill you. Man, no. So, I mean, I don't know, but I just, I, I'm tired of seeing the same old shit, quite honestly. Now, that's not to say that they put on the same old shit every time they perform, because they don't, but I've seen them in the ring so many times, I'm just kind of burnt out at this point. It's like seeing Cena and Orton in the fucking ring. It, it's so old and tired, I'm just done. Why can't they put Lesnar against somebody else. Somebody that will make a name for themselves someday down the road. I get that they're trying to end this Undertaker thing with Lesnar finally, but it's getting annoying, quite honestly. Um, they should have wrapped this thing up at WrestleMania when Lesnar beat Undertaker, and that should have been the end of it. But of course, that's not going to be the end of it. We have the SummerSlam match next week, so that's kind of annoying. Um... I'm kind of over all that stuff with uh, Cena. <laughs> Just kind of hogging the spotlight at this point. Um, Rollins broke his nose. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, Cena wrestles a little firm. Not stiff, firm. Meaning he's just kind of throws lumbering, you know, punches. It just kind of look ridiculous. He falls ridiculous. I mean, he just he kind of looks like a clown in the ring sometimes. He used to be a great performer. But as of recently, I think he's gotten personally, I think he's gotten a little lazy. Um, I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. He can always improve. I think Cena's a great guy. I think he, you know, as a person, is an amazing guy. But in-ring talent is another story. It's kind of, um, you ever take, like, a, a red shirt and you wash it so many times it becomes pink? That's what happened to him. He's become a great wrestler and a performer and an entertainer into a lazy, watered-down version of what he used to be. 
But the kids still love him, so that's why he's still on top. So until that changes, I guess he'll just stay on top. And uh, again, you know, that's a story for another day. But what are you gonna do? So my uh, my other thing that I want to talk about is um, this shield thing. I think the shield needs to come back again someday. I'm sure it will. You know, every great faction always has a great reunion. NWO, DX, Four Horsemen, so on and so forth. Um, but they have this nice S.H.I.E.L.D. versus Wyatt family angle going on again, which they never quite finished back uh, about a year ago, which kind of made me mad when uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. broke up. Um, actually made me really mad um, because they never quite finished that storyline. They just kind of left it open. But again, WWE can't focus on anything more than two storylines at a time. So, um, you know, what are you going to do? But at least they're continuing on with it, and, uh, you know, it's only two of the two out of the three out of the three guys, but, you know, it's better than nothing, I guess. Um, the Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt thing was a freaking disaster. But what are you going to do? Um... As far as anything else, Lucha Underground is amazing. If you've not watched that, check it out. I love Lucha Underground, and I cannot wait to talk to Tim about that because I'm sure he's been maybe poking at the idea of watching it if he hasn't already been watching it. If he has been watching it, great. Um, but uh, Lucha Underground's got some good stuff out there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um, I just I wish that things in WWE would evolve once in a while and actually change and not just kind of stay so stale and stagnant and just not go anywhere. It gets annoying after a while. I will say one thing about The Undertaker, though. Um, back to that. Um, not to get off topic, but... Every time I see Undertaker perform the uh, Tombstone Piledriver, I swear to God I have a mini heart attack inside me every time. Because it's a dangerous fucking move. Honestly. You're risking not only severe concussion, you're risking to be, you know, you have your neck fractured like Austin and Angle did, you're risking having, you know, uh, paralyzation. You know, you'd be paralyzed. Darren Dra uh, Drozdov, you know, did a freaking impale, you know, a, a, um, oh god, what the hell is the move called? He did a pile driver wrong with, uh, excuse me, D'Lo Brown. And, um, went horribly wrong. Instantly paralyzed for the rest of his life. And um, then you got this guy who's what, six foot ten, you know, three hundred and fifty pounds or something like that, and he's inverting these guys and just popping them on their freaking heads. Of course, he's not actually dropping them on their heads. He's landing on his knees and supporting their weight between his knees. However, that's not to say that a sweaty Brock Lesnar or sweaty any other you know performer isn't gonna slip and cause a bad day. Um, it's always a risk. One small thing goes wrong. Undertaker's grip fails, or the other guy's grip fails, or he slips, or whatever on the way down. You're talking, you know, paralyzed, or death, or horrible injury. I do not understand why he still needs to do that goddamn move. Yes, it looks cool, but a lot of moves look cool that have been banned in the WWE, okay? The 450 you know, splash, or an inverted shooting star press that Brock Lesnar used to do. Those moves are, quote, banned, even though some guys still do them. It's like Vince says, well, if I have faith in you doing it, you're going to do it, by God, or you're fired. You know, but it's like, 
you're risking this guy's life, you know? I think, personally, a shooting star press is a hell of a lot less dangerous than a damn tombstone pile driver. Why? At least the guy jumping off the rope has full control over his body. If he fucks up the landing, that's his problem, and he should be, you know, reprimanded accordingly. But, either one of the guys on the receiving end of a tombstone fucks up, that's it. Game over, that guy is fucked for the rest of his life. I do understand why he has to do it. Undertaker has so many great other moves in his arsenal, he does not need to do that anymore. And if he does, he only needs to do it once. Once, at the most. Seeing him drop three, four pile drivers in a match, it's just ridiculous, because he gets tired, okay? This is an exhausting thing these guys do. It's not like they just hop in the ring and they're full of energy throughout the entire match. They get worn down. When you're tossing around another man that weighs as much as you do for 20 minutes, you get tired, okay? So, picking him up and dropping him on his head, quote, quote, in between your legs, it's just not safe, man. Um, like I said, once, maybe at the beginning of the match, and that's it. And then end it with a choke slam or a... Um, old school, I mean, Hell's Gate for God's sakes, you know, he did that thing two years in a row at Wrestlemania, so, I mean, whatever it looked good enough for me um, doing it on Shawn Michaels, though, that's a small guy, he can carry the weight of Shawn Michaels Brock Lesnar's almost 300 fucking pounds of muscle, that's that's not really you know, manageable at the end of a 20 minute match you know, you get a little tired, you're trying to throw around this guy you know, bad things can happen um, of course, Undertaker, you know, Undertaker could go back to his old, you know badass biker mantra thing and do, you know, the big um, last ride thing. He could do that. You know, do the last ride, for God's sakes. Through a table, you know, on top of a chair, through a ladder, whatever. I mean, it's a lot safer than trying to drop a guy on his head. It's just so dangerous. So many other moves have been banned. The frickin' curb stomp. A, a frickin' move that both guys are in full control over. And that gets banned. And then he picks up a move that looks like shit when he performs it. The pedigree. You know, sorry Rollins, that move looks like crap. Pick something else. You, I get that, you know, it's like, you know, the sensei and the, you know, the, the young Padawan learner. But it's like, that's, it looks like shit. Stop doing it. You're not big enough to pull it off. Yeah, you're tall enough, but you're not, you know, bulk enough. Like, Triple H, when he would do it, it's like, oh shit, this guy's going down. Rollins does it. It's like, he just easily flipped that guy over, you know. Rollins doesn't weigh that much. Um, despite him being tall, um, he's definitely lighter than, uh, Triple H, but, you know, I digress, that's a story for another day, but, uh, you know, I mean, wrestling, it's just, it's always been in my blood, I love wrestling, you know, if somebody ever asked me, hey, would you ever do wrestling, yeah, I would get into a ring and try it out, just to, you know, have some fun, would I ever actually go on the journey to become a professional wrestler, absolutely not, I'd rather be a manager, I'd rather be the guy that makes the music or books the matches. That's the job I'd rather have. Do I wish I could do the things they do in the ring? Fuck yeah. Who doesn't? But I can't. I admit that. I'm, you know, 5'10", 5'11", whatever. I weigh 140 pounds soaking wet. I mean, I'm a small guy. Yeah, you could bulk up, whatever. But I'm still short, okay, compared to modern-day wrestlers that are usually well over 6' tall. Um, and I'm not too athletic in that department to jump around and all that. Now, MMA is another story. I would rather do MMA, and uh, I've actually tried doing MMA professionally, uh, or amateur, rather. <laughs> Not professionally. Um, but it's it's so exhausting. It takes so much out of you. 
it takes a lot of time, of course, and um, to train and learn all the, the holds, the moves, the styles, the fighting, you know. Muay Thai is by far my favorite, if you had to ask me my favorite fighting style. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is kind of fun when you're not the guy being thrown around, of course. Um, judo is quite fun. Hurts like hell on your hips, though. Um, but, yeah, Muay Thai, I love it. So, um, MMA I'd rather do over wrestling any day. But if I ever got involved in the actual wrestling business, I would rather be the guy booking the matches or out there managing or... Hell, even the announce team, for God's sakes, just give me something where I'm not getting tossed around. Now, would I like to get tossed around once in a while? Hell yeah, that's why I'm saying manager, because the manager gets involved once in a while and can take a bump. But I can't take 20 minutes worth of a bump, you know, I'm just not built for that. I don't have the pain tolerance, I just can't do it. But I love wrestling, and I will always love wrestling. And uh, I will always love music, because I'm a lifelong musician. I don't believe that musicians retire. Every time I hear of a musician retiring, I laugh. Um, that's not something you do. Um, you just, you don't retire. That's the way it works. Um, and I will always play video games. You can call me a big, geeky, grown-up child or whatever you want. I honestly don't give a damn what you think. <laughs> so, uh, I will always do those things. Um, and as long as podcasts are up, I will try to make podcasts, um, at least in the meantime, once a month. So, please go out and check me Subscribe to me on YouTube slash Zelix. You will find me. Go on Twitter. Uh, that's Twitter at Zaxter90. You can't miss me. Believe me. And uh, here, of course, in the podcast. And I will talk to you guys next month, this time with a guest, Greg Smith, um, who has an enormous Nintendo 64 collection. We will also be doing a video on that for YouTube. Please check that out. Um, it's going to be amazing, so if you are a fan of video games, especially Nintendo 64, or collections in general, you're going to love that video, and you're going to love next month's podcast with Greg Smith. So, thank you for tuning in. I will see you guys next time. Zach, out.